this is Dal Ortham on the Charter School Connection podcast. This episode is going to be a lot of fun, just like every single episode. But before we jump into it, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Obviously, Charter Connect. Um, Charter Connect helps boost enrollment for charter schools. And Enrollio, our new easy automated software to help enrollment be super smooth and slippery for students to just kind of slip into your school. But today we got a, a fun guest. I'm excited um, because all of our guests show excitement, but um, Allison was particularly excited and um, cheery and we're excited to gain all of her insights. So without further ado, Allison Voltaire, welcome to the episode. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Yeah, we're really grateful for your time. Um, it's not easy to find time when you are working at or running a charter school. So thank you for making the time. Absolutely. So Allison, please tell us a little bit about, before we get into your school and your district and your obstacles and everything that you're doing to overcome those things, tell us a little bit about you. How did you get into education and more specifically charter schools? Absolutely. So I, this is my 17th year as an educator, very proud educator. Right. I um, remember the day in fifth grade when Mr. Bellamy, my fifth grade teacher, um, was doing something on the board and he was so organized. And that was like my, my spark, my moment that I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a fifth grade <laughs> teacher. Uh -huh. And, um, and then, you know, throughout the years, I never really steered away from that. I always wanted to go into education. Um, my interest did change. I was really, really interested in emerging readers. So I did a lot of my undergrad studies for primary phonemic awareness, um, learning to read, all of that. But as soon as I graduated from college, my very first principal was like, well, we have a sixth grade class available. <laughs> so I went to the brick and mortar school in um, sunny Florida, in Palm Bay at Sunrise Elementary. And um, it was a brand new school that was opening up. And it was, like I said, a brick and mortar school. And I was, I had the privilege of teaching sixth grade at that school. Cool. I stayed there about seven years. And um really just, I didn't even know it at the time, but I, I found, I guess, maybe my, my generation or what I, all of the technology that I had used in college really came in handy for helping other teachers. And um, so that kind of led me into a, an interest into virtual education. So left the brick and mortar classroom, went into a little tiny virtual school called Florida Virtual School. <laughs> just kidding, it's really big. Um, it's one of the, the, probably one of the leading schools for virtual education, um, one of the first ones to kind of take off. And so that was a lot wow. of fun, spent about a decade there. Um, I taught middle school, um, middle school math, became a lead teacher. Eventually they opened an elementary school. At first they were just sixth through 12th grade, and then they eventually opened an elementary school. So then we kind of ventured into how to teach elementary online. So that was fun. That was still a, a public school. And then I was um, at the time studying to become a, a school leader. And with my lead teacher experience and all of those um, wonderful experiences that I had at Florida Virtual, I um, was actually, we there's a, a school in Arizona called ASU Prep Digital. It is um, a charter school that feeds into ASU. So their goal is to have students join their school from kindergarten and stay through their doctorate degree. 
um, wow. stay there for life. And so, yeah, so our work was cut out for us, but that's how I ended up into the charter school world. And I have learned so much about it and, um, you know, just the differences between private education and public education and then, you know, the public charter education. So um, have learned a lot and have really, um, I think, contributed in, in a lot of great ways here at ASU Prep Digital. Wow. Tons of follow-up questions. First yeah. question, um, and we'll just go and try to check all, all these questions off. What was it like to go from teaching to administration? And when did that happen? How did that transition happen? I'd just like to know more about that. Absolutely. Um, so I think all teachers are kind of born with innate leadership. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a requirement for, for leading classrooms. So um, it just depends on if that individual wants to work primarily with adults or if they want to continue working with children, I think is, is probably the, the biggest um, challenge that most teachers have to overcome when, when moving into leadership. So mm -hmm. for me, that shift happened um, officially in 2020 when I was able to come on as the principal for ASU Prep Digital. And um, the school amazingly took a chance on, on me, a first-time principal, and it's it's quite interesting because we've done a lot of behavioral studies and um, throughout the last three years of, of working here and, and having this school. And it's funny because I a lot of my, um, my results have come back. I have, at first was very visionary because we were a brand new school. And, um, and since then I've become very guarded, like I'm more of the guardian role now, um, you know, guarding our program and what we've established and what we're, what we're providing for children. So, um, so that's been kind of interesting, but yeah, so to answer your question, um, I think that for me, it happened in 2020, but I think for, for most people moving from that, that teacher role to the principal role is when you're ready to make that shift from moving primarily with children to working with adults. That's awesome. And you said in 2020, so right during COVID is yeah. when you kind of made the jump. And what was that like becoming a first-time principal in COVID? It was a lot. Um, so first of all, I feel like we're not only a a charter school, but ASU Prep Digital is a school that um, has a lot of opportunities for, for everyone. President Crow of ASU, ASU is the number one school of innovation and President Crow very strongly believes that there should be an opportunity for every learner. Um, we are always building new models for educational success and always, you know, innovation does not scare us at all. So we are trying all different ways to meet the needs of every type of student. And, um, and that starts in kindergarten and goes all the way up through, through, you know, college and beyond. So, so I think that I'm able to have that, um, you know, that on my side <laughs> when, yeah. when we decided to open up um, our, our charter school for our elementary school. We have actually, ASU Prep Digital has been in existence for um, many years, and they have brick and mortar campuses pretty much all over, about six campuses all over the Phoenix area right there in the valley and um, Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And we then opened up about six years ago, so about six years 
well, about five years probably prior to, to COVID, they opened up the um, a high school. So it started very, very small. And then um, during the pandemic, President Crow came and said, okay, it's time, let's open up a K-8 school. And so it was supposed to be very small and very quaint and about 125 kids and, you know, five teachers and just kind of, we're going to test it out. And then it was the pandemic. So as soon as our doors opened, here come the enrollments. So I think we capped out at about 950 students that year. And um, we went on this nationwide search to find the most incredible educators, which we did. And um it's just really has just been tremendously successful since then. So wow. yeah, it's very unique, a lot of work, <laughs> but very unique and awesome. Well, I think that's awesome. And you mentioned that you're not scared of innovation, which I feel like is very necessary if you're going to be running a charter school, especially in today's day and age where there's so much happening. If you were to take a two-year nap and then come back into the charter school world, it would be very different. Um, it's moving very quickly, so you do have to be flexible. My follow-up question to that is, how do you embrace innovation and be ready for kind of the ever-changing world of education without sacrificing your systems and the comfort of your staff because you're always changing and things are always different and they can't really get comfortable. Where do you find that sweet spot and how, how do you make innovation a part of your growth without causing strain on your systems and faculty? So it's, it's pretty cool that you asked that because we, we discuss this quite often as a leadership team at ASU Prep um, and, and whether we're in the brick and mortar school or digital, we are very, um, on the same page when it comes to, to innovation. Our core values are actually, we have four core values that we strive for. They are curiosity, disruption, collaboration, and individuality. So uh -huh. when you mention innovation, my mind immediately goes to disruption. We are all about disrupting um, disruption in education, disrupting traditional models because, um, kids have kids brains and what their interests are are completely different than how they were 100 years ago so we want to make sure that we're keeping up with what students need mm -hmm. and um you know like right now the the world is their stage they they are born with cameras and technology in front of their face and you know for the most part um even if we try to shield that from them they are surrounded by technology and innovation so we want to make sure that we are you know um leveraging that and making sure that we're providing those opportunities for students as they continue to grow into um, adults. So you asked about the disruption piece. It is hard, especially with our, our teachers and staff. I We constantly revisit the fact that we are a model building school. So the, the great thing about ASU Prep is they are leadership from the very top down is extremely supportive over any bright ideas, any innovation, changing things up. Our school, maybe because we're a charter school, but our school will never look the same in 30 years, the way that you know some of the brick and mortar schools do down the road. It, they yeah. just won't. <laughs> so we're not gonna <laughs> be that environment. If that scares um, educators, then this is not the school for them because we are going to be ever changing from year to year in some cases. 
That's fantastic. And could, could you just quickly repeat those four principles again, just for Absolutely. the listeners? So we have curiosity, disruption, collaboration, and individuality. Individuality. Because first off, I feel like when you ask most charter schools, or not most, I don't want to you know generalize, but a lot of charter schools, like what are your principles and values? And they're all the same. And same with like, if you go to an airline, like what's your principles and values? Like safety, customer service, just like, you're like duh. But I feel <laughs> like your values were like very unique. And it's like, finally, someone that is going out of the cookie cutter, like safety, education, it's like, yes, those are important, but like, what makes you, you? Um, and then you focused on disruption and I'm like, oh, disruption's hard. How, how is she going to bring this back in? And then you kind of touched on collaboration. I feel like disruption without collaboration is chaos, but disruption with collaboration, like the leaders and faculty bringing ideas and working together, like that is what makes disruption beneficial. And you're moving forward, you're taking off chains and anchors, and you're able to have progress thanks to the collaboration. So I think those principles do a really good job of leaning on one another. Absolutely. You know, this year alone, um, I mentioned earlier that I, at first, was it was a very visionary role of leadership of this charter school, but um, but this year it has become very guardianship because our, we, we, this year alone, we have implemented a gifted program virtually, which uh -huh. is incredible. That's been an incredible experience. Um, in addition to that, we've incorporated a, you know, what one might call an RTI or MTSS process mm -hmm. um, and how to best serve our students based on what their individual needs are and their personalized needs. So um, we call that spark time. Talk about disruption. That's probably been the most disruptive this year. And the reason for that is because, like I said, we're, we're a large school and we're kindergarten through fifth grade. And our teachers this year, our goal has been, these aren't my 25 kids or 30 kids. These are, you know, I belong to every fourth grader. Every fourth grader is my responsibility as a fourth grade teacher. So, mm -hmm. um, or third or kindergarten. And so what we have done is we've used their data and all of the work that they've com completed and all of the um, diagnostic assessments that we've been able to collect. And we are providing instruction that's personalized to what their needs are. So we're tapping into the individuality of each of our teachers' expertise. And so if our, we have a math teacher on the third grade team, that's phenomenal with division, we're going to, or multiplication, I guess, in third grade, then we're going to make sure that those kids that need extra support in multiplication attend, you know, spark time with mm -hmm. that teacher. Doing this digitally has been extremely challenging, especially with our primary That's kindergarten, second grade, but, um, but they figured it out. And our teachers, <laughs> we, we had a couple tiers along the way between parents, students, and teachers, but the data and the growth and the just the uniformity across the board has been so incredible this year. So that mm -hmm. disruption is important. And really those four core values just tie back into our mission, which is to design new models for educational success and to raise academic achievement for all learners. I love that. I mean, there's, there's this um, 
cool YouTube video of Will Smith talking about uh, when he went skydiving with his son. And pretty much long story short, he says like the he was really scared, but the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And you can't really grow when you're comfortable. Like all growth is done in discomfort. And so you said like, yeah, there were tears. Yeah, it was hard. Uh, yeah, how do you implement these things with kindergartners? Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm sure that you can attest to the results that are on the other side by 100%. doing the courageous thing of doing what you feel is best rather than just staying in your comfort zone. Absolutely. And it's provided even more social emotional support for our students because they've been able to connect with students that are outside of their, their classroom. So, um, you know, they've been able to meet a plethora of students in fifth grade or their mm -hmm. grade level um, or even other grade levels. We've had them kind of level up as their needs are uh, personalized. So it's been awesome. It's been it's been a unique experience. And I think overall, the it's been an overwhelmingly positive experience now that we're on the side of it. Like, like well said. Yeah. That. That's awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, sweet. Um, what obstacles, Allison, have you overcome or are currently overcoming that maybe you have some insights to? Um, maybe you can say like, hmm, we had this issue, we did this, and we saw this result. Or um, because I'm just trying to put myself in the mm -hmm in the chair of maybe other charter school leaders that are listening to this call. And they say, great innovation, disruption, like all this is really good stuff, but I'm having a hard time with blank. And so do you happen to have any examples of maybe, and it could be as a teacher as well. It doesn't have to be just as a principal or an administrator where you overcame something and how you did it, or maybe the mindset that you used to get through it. Yes. So this is this is probably more primarily with the, the virtual school aspect of it. But I do feel that education as a whole is in a in, in a worldwide transition phase. So um, so, it, you know, I'm sure with all of the different options with charter schools and, and public schools and everything that's available there, this, this could be something that um, that is concerning for for most educators. But mm -hmm. I think right now the the thing that we've kind of had to overcome since was since COVID really, since we opened was the idea that virtual school is not the same thing as online school. We didn't yeah. take a brick and mortar school and put it online and expect our students our five and six year old students to sit on zoom for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. We, um, you know, created these innovative and amazing playlists full of um, choice and activities and engagement for our students and um, and then we provided live lessons. So they sit in Zoom just like you and I and mm -hmm. they're able to connect with teachers and provide that project-based learning experience and hands-on experiences. Yeah. Um, so uh, probably the, the biggest hurdle that we have had as a staff is maintaining those students that are able, that wanna come to us initially and then stay with us. Mm -hmm. So they come to us and then stay with us and, and, you know, really follow our goal of, of graduating from Arizona State University. And, and how, how are you um, responding to that obstacle? What, any advice for someone that says, hey, I kind of have that same goal. I'm over here in Pennsylvania. I don't know, somewhere right. else. In the, we want, we're struggling with our 
students coming in in kindergarten and going through our entire program, what what advice do you have to someone that's maybe looking to do that same thing? So if you're looking to maintain retention, I, I would say it's definitely an all hands on deck situation. It's definitely something that starts with, I mean, from marketing to um, your leadership team to, of course, your teachers and staff that are working directly with students and families. The I feel that the best, the very best advertisement for schools is word of mouth because mm -hmm. parents and students, when they're happy, they're going to they're going to talk about that. And um so that has been probably our greatest accomplishment and our um, our greatest, I don't know, solution to this because our uh -huh. families are bringing other great families along that are like, oh, I didn't even realize that was an option. So here we are. Um, <laughs> so that's probably the, the biggest thing is get everybody on board for and, and really have those hard discussions about what do we need to do for attention. What do we need to do to make sure that we're keeping our families, we're getting them in the door, but then we're keeping them, we're keeping them happy. We're providing what each student needs so that they stay here. That's fantastic. And Allison, um, to, you're building that word of mouth, which kind of leads me to another question is community. Yes. I feel like the the best, obviously the best way to keep a student is to have an awesome school and an awesome program where they love it and they love going to school because then they're going to tell their parents and their parents are going to keep them there and then word of mouth will grow. But um, do you have any advice for someone that says, hey, like we have an awesome school because I hear this all the time. They say, Don, my school has been around for 10, 20 years and nobody knows we're here. Like how, how do you get connected with the community? How do you get outside of your zoom meeting or out of your brick and mortar and into the community um, other than just kids loving your school do you have any other ideas i mean i think the power of social media has helped tremendously mm -hmm. um and of course that that can you know be a financial burden as well but getting the right people and that consistency with you know promoting it socially like on social media i think that is huge and i don't mean you know making commercials and then putting them out. I mean, like real life, like yesterday, for example, one of our kindergarten um, classes, they were, they had a sight word party on, you know, sight words and uh -huh. they took toilet paper rolls. All the kindergartners at home brought two toilet paper rolls. They made binoculars. And so they were going on a sight word hunt outside. Nice. And our, what are one of our kindergarten teachers, Mrs. Wingate, she took her class outside to look at her chickens. And so they were looking, they were all, I have pictures of them looking at the chickens with their <laughs> binoculars that they made at home on their sight word hunt. So, you know, like doing that and being able to promote that is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, another, another kindergarten example, we have, um, they do a weather unit where they become meteorologists and they, I mean, they wear like suit and tie and, and the parents get all into it and it's wonderful. Yeah. And they create a whole project on, on the weather. And um, they actually sent their, pro one of our kindergartners sent their project into a, a local news station because our students are all over, all over mm -hmm. the world, really. But, wow. um, but there, but this is a student based in Arizona and the local station called him in to, to help them with the news this week. <laughs> and I, I'm just awesome. like, what great, you know, what greater word of mouth can there be than that or advertisement for your school? Can there be than a cute kindergartner <laughs> reading, yeah. the, you know, doing the weather? That day, uh -huh. so. Love it. That is fantastic yeah. because that that question sometimes leads to maybe some 
stale answers of like Facebook and Instagram. Try doing a TikTok or have a snow cone machine at your next event. Like kind of <laughs> like things that are like okay, but but you kind of went a little one step further. You said it's not just doing those things; it's how you're doing it. It's what you're uploading. It's it's yeah. adding a personality and bringing to the community and, and making it a little bit more personable. So I love it. Yeah. Um, fantastic. And Allison, as you're, um, you've been in the education space for a while now, do you have any podcasts, books, programs, conferences, um, YouTube videos, motivational speakers, any, anyone that you would recommend saying, you know what, I read this book or I listened to this speech and it kind of changed the way that I approach my job. Um, do you have any recommendations that you'd like to give? Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> so um, first of all, Julie Young is our, she's our president for, um, for ASU Prep Digital. And she is the most phenomenal, most motivational speaker. She uh -huh. um, is a lifelong educator, but, um, but specifically she's phenomenal with, with virtual education. So her words are, are taken very seriously in my world. Um, they have for many years. So I would probably start with, with her. Um, and then from, from Julie Young, I, I also, I do, um, you know, listen to the podcast throughout my walks and, and everything. I try to, to get, you know, as much knowledge as I can in my off time. So um, we also have, let me see here. We have, um, I want to make sure I have this correct. Um, now it's not pulling up <laughs> so when I first started out on my educational my, my leadership journey I was really into finding um different podcasts and and different leaders throughout the country and so um principal matters with uh here he is with William D. Parker and friends. So he all, he quite often has um, different visitors on his show and he's able to, able to provide, he provided a lot of clarity for me when I was first starting out into leadership. So he's a really big one. Um, and then there is Janine. She just wrote a book. Um, <laughs> it's really good. But I met her at the NAGC, the gifted conference. Uh -huh. And um, let me find, I think it's Ledford, Janine Ledford, I believe. All right. Yeah, I'm trying to take notes of these as well. So, yes. Sorry, I was not prepared or I would have had them. Make no, sure no worries. It's worth the wait because if it's been beneficial to you, then it'll be beneficial to others. So, no worries. But I heard she was our, um, she was our, keynote speaker at NAGC and she was phenomenal and okay. um she's really I mean of course she was talking specifically about students with with challenges um I believe she had a stutter growing up so she talked a, a lot about being you know being a gifted student how important that is but also having those struggles uh -huh. and overcoming those struggles and um she was just incredible to listen to 
Fantastic. Cool. I will include uh, these in the show notes. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to this list? I think it's already a good one, but. Um, let me think about it. And if I find anybody else, I will send you, but, um, so Janine is G E N E I N and then it's Lefford L E T F O R D. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. We will add that in the show notes, but, um, Fantastic. Allison, this has been really, really insightful, really helpful. I think it's really necessary, especially for us who kind of sit behind our desks and we just try to, you know, get through the day and get new results by doing the same old things. So just helping us kind of be able to embrace the changes that need to be made. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Maybe a question that I didn't ask that you have an answer to that you'd like to say before wrapping up? Probably just that I'm also a, a parent of school-aged children. And my biggest thing is, you know, I, I wake up every day and I make sure that my teachers and staff, we're all on the same page. And my, my leadership philosophy is that every student should have their best year ever, every single year. They should not be like, well, you know, sorry, that, that fifth grade year, it was just a bad one. Like, no, uh-huh. life is too short for that. We have to make sure that our students are engaged, that they're you know, getting the most that they can each and every year. And so um, I wake up every day with that, you know, with that mission in mind and making sure that we are designing new models and we're reaching the potential for each of our students. And, um, and you're right, like, there's so many school leaders and so many, you know, people that just kind of sit back and are just do the same thing that they've always done. And it's just, in a lot of ways, it's, it's letting our students down and it's not helping them reach their fullest potential. So we've got to band together and, you know, and just kind of take on this transition for, for education as a whole, as a country, and make sure that we're providing the very best that we can for our students. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Allison, I don't know what to do to repay you for all the insights that you've given <laughs> us, but thank you so much. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation and it has me thinking um, how I need to do things differently because whenever something is uncomfortable, I go, huh, how can I make it so that's comfortable for me again? Um, But maybe that's not the question I should be asking myself, but rather how can we be better because of this? So um, thank you so much. And um, everyone, please go check out ASU um, Prep Digital and learn a little bit more about their program and um, feel free is it okay if people contact you and absolutely yeah cool so and we'll also include everything that allison has mentioned in the show notes but allison once again thank you so much thank you so much have a great day and go send devils bye now (laughs) 